Welcome to Epiphany with Tiffany, a podcast that explores the deeper meaning behind the clothes you wear and items you own and how to work with the energy of the cosmos to make powerful shifts in your life, home, and wardrobe. I'm your host, Tiffany. I'm a holistic life and style coach and personal stylist with a deep love for fashion and a firm believer of the life-changing power of energetics. Tune in each week for an illuminating discussion designed to shift your frequency and connect your environment to your soul. This is a Soul Fire production. Hello, welcome back to the podcast. I've been looking forward to today for a long time. I've been really, really, really wanting to have on today's guest, Teresa Piella. Teresa is a trauma-informed EFT brain rewiring coach, health researcher, and colon hydrotherapist. She supports those dealing with highly complex cases of chronic illness and trauma patterns that may have lost hope in their ability to heal with terrain-centered nutrition, deep listening, and brain rewiring techniques. Teresa empowers her clients with self-healing tools to help them reclaim their center, rebuild their confidence, and ultimately heal themselves when no one else can. I met her through Christina, the channel's community. We follow each other on Instagram. And even though I haven't spent a lot of time one-on-one with Teresa until our chat today, I have always really been drawn to her content, the work that she does, her tapping technique, which she features a little bit on her Instagram and YouTube channel, um, but definitely more in her Tapping with T app, which I just downloaded today and signed up for the free seven-day trial. And I think after you listen back to our conversation today, you will be prompted to do the same. I am one of those people that deeply resonates with Teresa's story and also just with that point in my own healing journey where I felt like I was always just going to be suffering from chronic illness, felt like I was always going to be sick and felt like no one understood me. No doctor that I saw, no type of doctor that I saw. I was always felt like I was the mystery case and that even though I could find elements of healing, all of a sudden my body just felt like it would just kind of go back to its old way of operating and feeling. And then I would find new health ailments. And it just felt like this never ending cycle. Chatting with Teresa today, it, you know, it really, we do come from such similar backgrounds. And the way that Teresa has used her deep points of feeling like she was never going to feel better and that life felt so hard and that her health ailments felt so challenging. The way she was able to lift herself out of those deep states of pain and suffering and find a new way of operating in life and a new appreciation for the life around her that had always been around her, that she began to slow down, pause and pay attention to. The way that she was able to find healing through that is very similar in the way that I've been able to find some healing in my life. It it really does, I think, come a lot down to doing less instead of doing more. And if you're someone that has 
struggled with a lot of health ailments, long-term illnesses, chronic illnesses. I think this episode is for you. There's lots of really interesting insights from our conversation. And we hear a little bit about Teresa's story with chronic illness and her own health journey, the work she does with clients, the transformations she has experienced and witnessed in clients that she works with. And we really just kind of deep dive into all things, the light and shadow sides of health and functional medicine and learning about ourselves, learning about our health ailments and and how sometimes that can really learn too much and take us down a path unintentionally where we keep ourselves in these chronic states of being sick. And we really deep dive into how we can reparent and nurture ourselves to find healing, find understanding and compassion in our body in its states of distress, find acceptance for it. And a technique like tapping, a really daily practice of that can really recalibrate our nervous systems and just keep us operating at a calmer state of being. And I have really been one of those people that has tried all of the things and tapping wasn't something that I really tried. And I I knew about it. I hadn't really tried a daily practice. And after my chat with Teresa today, I am hooked. I downloaded the app immediately. There is a huge library of video exercises and she has them all organized by just different topic types, health ailment types, any type of life or frustration point or thing that you might be dealing with. There's a video in Teresa's Tapping with Tea library that you can get started with. And Teresa also meets with clients one-on-one. So if you want to work with her one-on-one, I'm going to link you to her website. I'm going to link you to the app and I'm going to link you to her Instagram. Literally just follow her Instagram if you want to get blown away by the insights that she constantly is sharing um, in her feed and the beautiful small moments in her day that she shares and her stories on Instagram. She's just all around good energy. Really enjoyed my chat with her. Go give it this episode a listen and let me know what you think. You can connect with me on Instagram at Epiphany with Tiffany. And I will now cut to the episode with Teresa Piella. Teresa, hello. Hi, Tiffany. How are you? Oh, I'm doing well. I, I'm, yeah, I always get excited to talk to people that I find interesting and inspiring. So this has been kind of like a bright spot on my calendar today. So thank you. How are you? Oh my goodness. Well, the feeling is completely mutual. We just chatted off air for a minute, but our meeting today is so serendipitous and the timing was just perfectly aligned. It almost didn't happen. And when I think the universe throws you a bone when they know that you want to do something. And so when, when you popped in and we were able to make it happen today, I like had this moment of gratitude. I was like, universe looking out for me. Thank you. Appreciate that. So it was a beautiful moment of remembrance of the support for things that are aligned. Mm, I love that. That's actually something I've been trying to lean into more, kind of like what we were just talking about, but not resisting those. I mean, sometimes the spikier bones or the, (laughs) the, you know, the, the shrapnel from the past that comes up to maybe show you something. So that's, that's been huge. Just really saying, okay, you're here. Let's, let's actually lean into this and learn from it and not push it away, which, I mean, I don't pretend to be a master at this. So it's always humbling to be thrown back into that. 
Yeah. I mean, we get little messages, big messages and, but it's all learning. And something I really appreciate, I've followed you on Instagram for a while now. And something that really strikes me about your content that I truly appreciate is that you seem to always be documenting and celebrating the small moments in your day, the very small, often overlooked moments of your day. And, and you highlight them as that's the, that's the day. And I think that's like so refreshing because it's like, we're often just like, so running so quickly moving from thing to thing. We're not slowing down and pausing. And what I've learned in my own work on the past few years on myself is that the more I slow down and get off my phone, get off of like all of my to-do lists and just be more in the moment, look at the butterfly right in front of my face that I would have missed otherwise and can take a deep breath in and and smell the fresh air. It's like, that's what recenters me and helps me feel really calm. Can you share what inspires you to share that kind of content and, and why it's so important to you? Yeah. Well, first I'm glad that's what you pick up because it truly is what makes my life feel meaningful. And I think it's, I mean, I learned this way of being as a necessity to unlearning the way I was doing things before. And I think like most humans and maybe more so now, I was so anxious. I rushed through everything. I had this idea that there was happiness and peace and joy and that good life on the other side of all of this hard work and healing and even just this imagery of once I'm free of symptoms and once I'm free of this situation, then life will finally be what I want it to be. And it was, and I know you can relate to this, but it was kind of realizing that I was torturing myself and creating this impossible situation And it was kind of a near death experience where I realized, oh my gosh, I might not have that much time. And if I'm living my life this way, that's, that's on me. And it was kind of taking responsibility for that and realizing, oh my goodness, even with the uncomfortable situation of having certain diagnoses or having certain, certain health conditions, there was beauty all around me and really starting to pay attention to it was what started to soften the intensity of my health issues at the time. And it just grew from there. And I feel like it's that classic idea that when you focus on something, you're going to notice it more. Life is going to show it to you more. And following the beauty just felt like exactly the framework I needed to not even make sense of it all, but to enjoy it. Because I think that was, that was what was missing from, I mean, so many of the healing protocols I tried and the healers I saw and the doctors and the naturopaths and the shamans and the intuitives, they failed to bring in the joy. Some did. I don't want to discredit that. You know, some had a wonderful sense of humor and, you know, a lightness, a softness about them, but truly and appreciating it. And for myself, letting that be the focal point of my day, I found that no matter how, no matter how depressing, dark, overwhelming, or out of control a day might be, there's always something gorgeous to follow. Like you mentioned the butterfly and, you know, sometimes it's even the light just coming through in a certain way, casting a rainbow, like on the toilet or something. (laughs) And I just have to pause. And 
part of that, Tiffany, is also thinking, okay, this is my life right now. If this is all there is, if this is my last day, if this is my last conversation I have with someone, I want to be present. I want to cherish it. I want it to be something I'm engaged with. I, I think the worst thing would be to get to the end of a life whenever that comes and feel filled with regret or, you know, wishing you did things differently. And so I would say to sum it up, it's just how I live so that I can get to the end of my life and look back and say, wow, that was beautiful. Those people I met were incredible. It felt amazing to have such wonderful and inspiring creatures around me. All of those things that just, yeah, they feel important to me. I think that's so beautiful. And I think when, you know, we have, I would like to hear about your health background and your story and what led you to doing the work that you do now as a trauma-informed brain rewiring coach. I mean, it sounds like you've had a really intense health journey and, and what really led you to doing the work you do now. But I know that when we can get in these dark places, when I've been in these rock bottoms in my own health, it's like so hard to find the beauty and the small, even like nothing. You don't want to celebrate almost anything. But then when I wasn't doing that and I just sat in all of the discomfort that my body was already feeling with physical ailments, when my mental is mirroring that, then the world's mirroring that I was also attracting more negative experiences or it just became more prominent feeling in my life. And it can become this downward spiral. And it took me a really long time to learn that even if I'm feeling bad, if I'm still showing up with the energy that I want to attract, if I'm still taking um, moments to pause, to find beauty and things when things are feeling ugly in my body, it's amazing how quickly your body can respond in a positive way. You can um, heal your body that way. You can actually um, nurture your body out of this like lower vibration state, even if you're still experiencing symptoms for a while. And it's like when we, what we focus on is what we really bring in and what grows around us. So I'm, I, I imagine that was something that you picked up on, but I would really, I would just love to hear a little bit about the work that you do and what your path has been that's, that's led you to this work. Yeah. Very accidental. I think I was, I was, well, I mean, maybe someone would say there's no accident. Everything happens for a reason, but for me, it was almost like I was swallowed by the functional medicine world. And this is not to blame them, but at the time it felt like I finally had an answer as to why I was feeling so miserable. And the classic diagnosis was Lyme and co-infections. And with all, yep, I know, you know, and then with all of the testing, it piled on more confirmation of this idea of that. I was completely toxic and broken. It was just parasites, heavy metals, mold exposures, hormonal imbalances, you know, random markers of inflammation that I didn't even know about at the time. I didn't know what they meant. And I think maybe a lot of our listeners can resonate with this, but the experience shifted me into a state of complete fear and panic and overwhelm where I, 
I didn't, I didn't know how to make sense of it. I didn't know how to process it. I didn't know how to hold it. My inner chatter was at such a place where I even felt like it was my fault. Like I had done something to deserve this layers upon layers of just fear and doom and gloom. So I think existing in that way for so long and still even staying in the kind of fixing naturopathic, even like the holistic model, I was getting sicker and I noticed my thought patterns were becoming more dysfunctional. And I, yes. And I didn't even I'm like realize because I'm just like everything you're saying and I can resonate with. And, and that's it. I think so many people, they start off their healing journey with the beautiful intention of wanting to feel better. And that's it. We can savor that beautiful intention. And we don't realize that the gripping and the lab tests and the constant doctor's appointments and these really, I would say not therapeutic protocols, you know, some of the detoxes and the cleanses and even the approach to food that I no longer, that I no longer align with, it traumatizes the system. When I talk about medical trauma, it's this idea of no longer feeling safe in your body, no longer trusting your body. And it was years of that where I finally realized, oh my gosh, I, I don't even know what, what an ideal healthy version of me would be. And it was someone asking me, if you didn't have any of these health issues, if you weren't managing these symptoms, what would you be doing with your life? And Tiffany, when she asked me that, it was the weirdest feeling because first I felt like rage, like, how dare you? I'm here to get your help and expertise. And then in the next moment, it was this emptiness of, oh my gosh, I don't even know what that looks like. And I realized I was so wrapped up in this identity of being chronically ill that I had stopped imagining a future. And again, I understand that that can happen to people because you're so swept away by feeling terrible, feeling exhausted, that the idea of one day feeling being healthy just doesn't even seem realistic or possible. And I think it was kind of a breaking point, honestly, getting to this place where I was 79 pounds. I had lost intestinal motility. The best, the best option that my doctors were offering me at the time was tube feeding through the heart. And I just remember, oh yes, I think back now and I'm just like, oh my goodness, like things were not <laughs> easy. And I remember it was this kind of surrendering moment where I went, where I finally realized, okay, this, these doctors are not going to save me. There's no expert out there that I can fly across the country to see. That's going to completely understand this. I'm just going to slow down. And I honestly, I started watching the birds outside of my apartment window. No joke. There were crows that would gather and I would start watching them. And like you touched on, those moments where I would just get lost in the curiosity and their behaviors and their goofiness, I would feel better because I wasn't thinking about how, how bizarre my body felt to be in. And I would say that combined with, I was actually working with a really talented coach who specialized in EFT tapping, that kind of shift away from the medical system and more towards what kind of thoughts do I want to be creating? What stories do I actually want to be telling myself? And really diving into more of the parts work on my own, just thinking, oh my gosh, there's this, 
really fearful child within me that it doesn't feel taken care of, doesn't feel safe in this world. Wow. There's an opportunity to tend to this part of me. I don't have to push it away. I don't have to shame it. So yeah, it was kind of this, like what felt like a sharp turning point when I realized, okay, I don't know how long I have left. This body is clearly struggling and there, there was a moment there too. And thank you for letting me kind of dance around this topic as I rehash it. But even realizing in that kind of darker moment that it wasn't my body's fault. It wasn't my body letting me down. In fact, my body had been trying its hardest to keep me going. And it was me criticizing my body for not being the way I wanted, being the way I wanted it to be. So there was what felt like this kind of umbrella of softening and understanding and forgiveness. And that's when things started getting better. So it feels, yeah, it feels kind of like one of those, I mean, one of those stories I look back on now and I'm like, okay, you know, I was not grateful for it at the time, but that feeds into why I truly take the time to see what's here and what's beautiful because it's always been there and it might feel covered up. It might feel buried, but it's our job to uncover that. And our bodies are kind of waiting for that too. I mean, your story gives me literal chills. It's a heartbreaking in so many ways, but it's empowering and inspiring in incredibly other ways, because I think unless you would probably walk through all of that, you wouldn't have had the appreciation now for the way you are dancing through life. So I think that's incredible. And I think it's such a good point too. It's like, I know for me, when I was first experiencing a bunch of symptoms, I had um, just come out of a a long-term relationship. My heart was broken. I had been on a bunch of medications to cover up and mask anxiety and depression for years and sleeping um, disorders and all this stuff. When I got off all of that stuff, it was like my body freaked out and it started having all of these symptoms pop up out of nowhere. And when I was seeing um, Western doctors, they just laughed it off. They're like, you're heartbroken. You're depressed. Like, just give yourself a minute. You're going to be fine. They like, wouldn't even spend more than five minutes with me. And it was deeply frustrating because I was struggling so much. And so when I started working with a functional medicine doctor, I thought I was trying to take care of myself on a deeper level. I thought I was trying to see myself on a deeper level. And I think I believe that I was in the beginning. I think we enter these curiosities of like what's going on with our health. And these doctors can dig deeper. They can do lab testing that you can't get through Western practitioners. And you really can start understanding, oh, well, I have this gut infection that's driving inflammation. That's causing these imbalances. Oh, I was on birth control pill for 20 years. That's why I don't produce any of these um, necessary minerals or enzymes in my body. And it's like, a part of it becomes empowering, but then you become addicted to like diving deeper, diving deeper. But then every time I would have an appointment with my functional medicine doctor, I would have just completed this like lengthy protocol, trying to do all the steps. I, my social life tanked because I was eating like five different foods and like not having fun anymore. And I was like scared to, to try anything outside of this like prescribed um, protocol And then I would meet with my doctor and they're like, well, this is better, but now we need to address this. And it was like, there was always like the next layer. And it, I think for me, the last straw was 
when I got the Lyme co-infection diagnosis, I had been avoiding that test. I'd done all of the other protocols, even heavy metal um, detoxes and stuff. And they were like, well, well, you're still having symptoms. So let's, let's dig deeper. So we did. And they were like, oh yeah, you have Lyme co-infections. And I was like, Tiffany, how long are you going to keep going on this, this like hamster wheel? Because even I was realizing, I was like, these doctors are trying to help me, but only I can really help myself. And I've now gotten to the point where how long am I going to be doing this? The rest of my life, my life had become smaller and smaller and smaller and, and less and less pleasurable. And I, I don't know what exactly turned the page for me, other than knowing that I refused to be sick anymore. I I saw that I was on this path of just being sick the rest of my life. And I was just like, I don't know what else there is in a way of not just identifying as being sick all the time, but I know that this is no way to live. And I'm still here for some reason. I don't know why. And, and so I don't, I think that helped me finally snap out of it, but it was like, it's so interesting how we think we're trying to help and we're actually teaching our body that it's not safe unless it's doing 50 bajillion protocols and restrictions and, um, living in that way, then your body is scared to even like leave the house. It, it just, it's because life just in general becomes scary. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so key. The fact that it's learned, it's something the brain kind of hooks onto again, from that really beautiful place of wanting to get better. And I love that you mentioned the time component too. I think for many of us, we get to the place of living in such a dysfunctional way for so long where something wise within us says, wait a second, what am I doing? I think the contrast is so key because I mean, most of us can remember a time where we weren't so afraid of food. We weren't afraid of not doing the right protocol. And I actually noticed benefit from being around family members and friends that were not in the healing space and were some of the, are some of the most vital and energetic people I know, and they know nothing about, you know, phytic acid and heavy metal detoxes and the gut junction opening up due to certain inflammatory compounds there. They're living a life of connection. They're playful. And I know some of our listeners are probably thinking, well, yeah, easy for them because they feel good, but that's our sneaky way out of the mess. It's to start to bring the feeling good back into it and kind of getting curious about what that might do. And I think again, with those protocols that you mentioned and realizing it's kind of this never ending chase, it's good to experience that, to realize that you don't have to, you don't have to buy into that, you know, try out the gluten-free, dairy-free, sugar-free, joy-free, whatever. And really be honest, do your symptoms improve? Okay. What's going on with your thoughts now and checking in and thinking about How do you want to relate to your body? How do you want to relate to feeding yourself, nourishing yourself, treating the body, you know, as a friend versus a specimen to fix and detox? Well, and how many times I I think for me, the, the gut healing protocols, like where you're, you're really taking out a lot of inflammatory foods, gluten, dairy, all that. I actually think that helped me a lot in the beginning when my symptoms were on fire and I didn't really know how to coach myself and nurture myself out of feeling distressed all the time. But it it got to a point where it was actually making me sicker. It's like, there's like that 
fine line turning point where it's helpful, helpful, helpful. Ooh, it's not helpful. And not only is it not helpful, I was noticing I would be around friends and family and scared to eat, watching them eat whatever the fuck they wanted. And like super jealous, just like watching them eat gluten, watching them eat, you know, cheese pizza and like not even thinking twice about it. And then I would go home and eat my like safe food or I would bring it with me. And that would be even worse because then people would be asking me questions about it. So I would finally just like eat by myself. But then sometimes that would lead to me binge eating because I was so unsatisfied and I felt like a freak. I felt like I couldn't eat. Why can't I eat and enjoy life the way people around me are? And I think it really, for me, came back to the way I was talking to myself when I was eating too. Mm. It was like, I was like punishing myself and I was like, well, you have to eat this way or else you're not going to get better. And I was like, wait, whose voice is that? (sighs) That's exactly it. I think what starts off again is this, oh, this might help me feel better. It then becomes this militant, strict, rigid, fearful voice. If I don't follow this protocol perfectly, then I'm never going to heal. And like, like you mentioned, it's, it creates this illusion of separateness. We see our friends living their lives. We see people enjoying pizza. We wonder what that would be like, but it feels, you know, completely out of reach. And yeah, it's, it's funny looking back now. And sometimes I wonder, maybe it was kind of necessary to have that really intense. I mean, that intensity of feeling so broken, so different, so unfixable. And then to realize, wait a second, this isn't the only path. There are other options. And that inner voice is so key. And I would say that was the biggest part of more of the brain rewiring work was starting to listen to the voice that was compassionate and sweet and funny and even a little bit hopeful. And and sometimes I would have dialogues with, you know, what felt like the true me, the fearful kind of just anxious, overwhelmed voice and realizing, whoa, I don't think that voice is actually me because that's not the voice I use with people I care about. That's not the voice I'd even use with a stranger and starting to pull that apart a little bit to realize that me, the true self is kind of this like childlike version of me that wants that safety, wants that play, wants that pleasure, wants to remember why we're here. And yeah, that's, there's, there's so many layers to tease out. It's like, it feels like when you first dive into the chronic illness world, there is like that spark of hope. Like you said, things maybe feel a little bit better. Maybe removing some of those foods makes a difference. And then it starts to shift and we don't even realize it's shifted until it's until we're in it. Yeah. And it feels like this like monster controlling, controlling everything. And I mean, I think that if we think about when that, who that voice is, it's like, is it a parent that was talking to us that way when we were kids? Is it the way that we were modeled how people were talking in our household when we were growing up, even if we weren't being talked to that way. There's something usually I feel like that happens when we're young that we're digesting as we're children and it stays with us as adults. And so then when we want to figure out how we can tune into that voice, it's like, it's often inner child work. I found as being the way to move the needle because it, if we can reparent that voice 
um, and, and find softness and even just not even knowing where it comes from necessarily and, and making peace with the fact that, well, it, it came from somewhere and here it is now, and it's not serving me. Something that one of my coaches helped me with is I have two twin nieces. They're 10 years old. And my coach is like, would you talk like this to your 10 year old nieces who I adore more than anyone in this lifetime, literally. And I'm like, Oh my God, I could never imagine saying that to them. And it's like this amazing filter. I'm able to put everything through. So, cause the, the voice still wants to come through on a daily basis. I'm having to try and reprogram it. And I'd love to hear about your brain rewiring techniques, because I think that's such important work for that. But I always am like taking a pause. I'm like, what I say that to Georgia or Eleanor and I'm like, no way. And, and so that's where I have to pause and find the reframe. And, you know, even when it goes back to the food thing, I learned that when I started, um, eating more food that I used to eat before I had the chronic illness and bringing foods back, my body didn't like it right away. And so it was like, some of the symptoms started coming back and there's that fear of like, Oh, I'm going to get back into like SIBO and our gut dysbiosis and, and all these things. But it was again, like talking to myself, Oh, you have a tummy ache. I'm so sorry. Like let, what can we do to make your tummy ache feel better? Can we lay down? Can we take a nap? Can it's like babe, literally babying yourself. How would you treat yourself like a baby? And so it's like, yeah, my stomach still hurts sometimes when I eat gluten, would I take that out to not have that experience of being with my family, eating all the things that they're eating at the same time and not thinking twice about it, nursing my tummy when I get home, if it, if it doesn't feel well. And it's like, yeah, that was worth it. And so I had to like make those connection points. And I like that idea of kind of combining that motherly sweet. It's just like the softest voice possible. That word keeps coming up. It's just it wants nothing but to, to help. And I think engaging that voice with a sense of curiosity, because we don't need to use that really nice voice to all of a sudden make the fearful parts of us scared. And whether you're looking at it through the lens of inner child work or more of like the internal family systems parts work, we can, we can honor that all of these aspects of ourselves, they formed for a reason and they likely formed to protect us from something. Like you mentioned, something earlier in life, maybe even something societal that we had taken on as our own. That was a big one for me, honestly. I, I think from a very early age, I absorbed the idea that you're only good if you're hardworking and you know you have to prove yourself, status, title, where you went to school, income. That is who you are and that's what makes you a worthy person. And it was getting to the place where I, by society's standards, was useless. I was absolutely useless. I was an invalid. I could barely lift my own body out of bed. And in a way that I started to question that actually the help with the help from my husband who loved me and cherished me and supported me when I had nothing financial or, you know, substantial to offer aside from my presence. And it was again, when that voice of sweetness started to strengthen and become the dominant voice there. And Tiffany, I'm completely forgetting where, <laughs> what you asked me, because as you were speaking, I was just thinking how important it is with like the food fear components and unlearning that layer of the 
puzzle, it is the kind voice that says, there, there, sweetie, see, see how you do with this. And if you do have a food reaction or if the body does flare up, we don't necessarily need to shift back into the fearful or kind of criticizing state of, you know, it's always going to be this way. I did this to myself. My body's broken. It's never going to heal. We can engage the voice of, okay, maybe next time, or, oh, do you need some ginger tea and a belly rub? That gluten, there's a lot of tight bonds in that protein that needs some support. You know, it's that voice, that voice feels like something we can kind of turn up the intensity of two to not necessarily crowd out the other voices, but to to gently let them know that we no longer need their presence. If you've been listening to my show for a while now, you've heard me talk about my obsession with Cured Nutrition. Cured Nutrition is a premium provider of cannabinoid, functional mushroom, and adaptogen products that are designed to elevate your day and help you feel your best. Their product line features organic and super, super clean ingredients, which is very, very important to me. I don't like putting a lot of junk in my system or overly processed items. Their products are all organic, non-GMO, gluten-free, and made in the USA. The Serenity Gummies are one of their newer products that I have been obsessed with. I just got my restock order. So happy I had a couple of days without it. And I was definitely missing my daily dose of Calm in the afternoon. The CBD and microdose THC gummies really give you that perfect little bit of Calm in the afternoon or evenings when you're trying to decompress a little bit. What I like about these gummies is that even though they do contain THC, it's such a small amount. You don't feel high at all and you can still get on with your day just feeling a little bit more relaxed, not so spun up from the day's events and work and commitments and all the things on your plate. So highly recommend those. The newest thing that I've been trying in my routine in the morning with my cup of coffee is their Rise Supplement. And they really are that perfect start to the day. They feel really natural. It's just kind of like taking your vitamins in the morning. You can take it on an empty stomach. And ever since I've been using them, I find that sometimes in the morning, even with a cup of coffee, it like wasn't enough anymore to get me going. I was feeling like so much in a fog. And I feel like these really help cut through that. So go on over to curednutrition.com, check out their product line, whether it's sleep, gut health, focus, or calmness, Cured has a product for you. Curednutrition.com. And don't forget to use coupon code EPIPHANY at checkout. Yeah. I mean, and what is your perspective on that as far as the, the competing voices? Like sometimes I feel like there's a space for all of them. Like, and it's kind of almost important to honor all of them. They all need a little bit of airtime. That's the the key. I think with the, the adding in the soft voice that maybe wasn't always there, that doesn't mean I can always drown out the really harsh critical voice. When I learned about like internal family systems and like thinking about all the different voices having like a name within my body. It's like, okay, well, this one is really coming out today. Like what's going on here? And it's actually like a clue of like what I might be holding that I'm not even aware of in my body. It's like, oh, I'm actually stressed because 
you know, this news headline or this is happening in my family life. And oh, now it's actually adding to this like critical voice that wants to have like some airtime to like vent. And if you can kind of reframe the voices as all kind of like having a role, but really the soft, the soft one for me is now the, like the star of the show. Whereas before she was like, really like probably bottom of the, the barrel, um, family member. Now she's like highlighted. And, and so it's like, I think it's about honoring all the, all of them. Yes. And that's exactly it. I think they're all trying to show us something. And if it's a voice we don't necessarily like, that's again, where it's our job to speak to that voice, like the terrified, overwhelmed child and see what it needs and also see what it's trying to maybe help us with. Like even the thinking of people that are, you know, really, really overwhelmed by what healing protocol to do, or, you know, what layer to tackle. Should they tackle the SIBO? Should they tackle the mold? Should they tackle the Lyme? And maybe the voice in their head is just constantly just so overwhelmed. If we can then look at that voice and say, sweetie, I know this is overwhelming, kind of that acknowledgement, validation. And I'd say that's the biggest piece of the brain rewiring is really honoring what those voices are saying and not making them wrong. And then kind of expanding the possibilities and shifting it, like softening what feels uncomfortable or unbearable and seeing that there's multiple layers to that voice or to that side and realizing that we don't have to, we don't have to necessarily feel happy and euphoric and perfectly balanced and regulated all of the time, because part of being human is realizing that maybe those older wounds or older triggers or some of those inner children are still going to be asking us for some help and support and we can offer that now as maybe more regulated humans with more more skills in our tool set. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's approaching it from all the different angles and I know that you with your work with clients, you help a lot of the tough cases, like the mystery cases, the people that have tried everything they've worked with every type of doctor which it sounds like you have as well so you have a lot of personal experience like what do you do when you get a client that is really struggling they're deep in the depths of chronic illness they've tried all of the different modalities maybe they've even dabbled in brain rewiring and nothing has moved the needle what what do you start with with clients that are are feeling so just discouraged that's an amazing question because it depends on the person. And I never really, I never have a game plan for exactly how I think a session should go. I'm really kind of tending to what they bring to the table, what feels the most intense for them that day. But I would say whenever there's that kind of hopelessness blended with the overwhelm, blended with that desperation, that's my cue to see if we can shift the nervous system back to a place of safety. That's not the time to ramp up a protocol or to make someone's diet more rigid, which as you know, sometimes there is a time and place, but if it's causing damage to the way someone thinks and, and increasing that state of fear, again, that's my cue to back off. And I time and time again, when I'm working with, with these complicated cases that feel like they have tried everything, 
I remember and I remind them there is always something that they haven't tried. And it's it's a kind of a, a silly way of interjecting a little bit of hope because it can feel you eventually reach a place of burnout with these healing protocols. It's like, I'm done. There's nothing that works. I'm never going to get better. So if we can look at that and say, yes, I hear you. It's overwhelming. There's something to try that you haven't tried yet. We don't have to do it right now. Right now can just be about validating and slowing down the breath and softening. I think using some of the body first approaches as opposed to the brain first approaches can be really helpful too, because oftentimes when we're having these panicky, fast paced, negative, and I'm quoting negative thoughts, it's because it's picking, the brain is merely picking up cues from the body and trying to formulate a story. So instead of trying to think better or bright side, or just be positive, if we can soften the body and allow a sense of safety to come into some of the, you know, the bigger organs and the tissues, the brain then gets the message. Okay. All is well here. And some people, I think they haven't really experienced the kind of the body first approach in terms of feeling better because they're so used to kind of living from the neck up and thinking, what can I fix? It's like, how can I fix my brain with my own brain (laughs) and who can I see and who's going to give me the answers? Versus experiencing, you know, that's where some of the somatic work comes back in. It's if you haven't felt safe in a very long time, if your body doesn't feel like a safe place to be, let's start to bring in experiences of that to remind you what it's like to no longer be so swept away in the fixing mindset. And you're kind of back in the, you're here, you're in the, you're in the more of the being mindset. So that's, yeah, that's, that's huge. I think that makes so much sense because it's, it's often what people don't want to hear too. It's like they want to be fixed and they want to think their way through to the solution. And and that's the way that we're culturally trained. So it's, it's an honest response to like feeling like you're in crisis, but it's often doing less, (laughs) like literally doing less, like maybe like not even doing anything about it. Just like, Oh, I'm having all these symptoms. I've quote unquote, tried everything. Now what? now nothing like literally do nothing like that. And that can sometimes be the biggest challenge. Um, it was for me for the longest time when I sat with myself and now I crave it and it's like all I want to do. But in the beginning, when I was just trying to sit with myself, maybe like half meditate, half, just like sit with my feeling. I had so much that was coming up. It was overwhelming. Just sitting with myself, I was like, Oh, I didn't want to think about this. I didn't want to think about that. I didn't want this thought to come up. And, and, and that's because we're not used to being still. We're not used to pausing with ourselves. And we're also not used to connecting the sensations in the body, the stomach ache, the, the anxiety that I always feel rushing up around my heart, up my throat, when there's something that I I realized that I need to take action on that. I don't want to, it's like when I started connecting the like bodily sensations, um, that's the game changer that nothing in my, all of my years and years of therapy could help me process emotionally. And you know, there's that kind of survival shift that so many of us make when We've been told that you're, you know, you're ravaged with Lyme and mold and parasites. Some of us, I, I did this. I didn't mean to, I didn't even know what I was doing, but we kind of dissociate from the body because it doesn't feel like a safe or enjoyable place to be. And then when you're 
sitting in meditation, trying to relax, attempting to slow down, it can you can be flooded with all the things that your busyness kept you from having to feel. And it's that can be too much. So again, there's different ways to slowly come back into the body. Something as simple as even noticing what might feel neutral or light. I can't remember who first talked about this, but she was talking about the idea of notice the pleasure in your eyelashes and the, I know oh the lightness. You just want to laugh though. Cause it's like, that's so cool. That's like, so like playful and eyelash who, you know, I love that. Exactly. I mean, and it's something say we have serious gut issues. We don't want to think about the belly. We don't want to feel it. We know it's there, but we don't want to talk about it anymore. All of a sudden our focus is on the lightness. And like you said, the playfulness of the eyelashes it's another way to shift. And again, with a hypervigilant nervous system, this shows up a lot in some of the complex, really complicated cases. It's like relaxation is paired with not safe. It's like in the past, if they've relaxed too much, maybe something bad has happened. And that goes back many times to childhood. They relaxed and an abusive parent would start to rage and, you know, whatever it is. So the main thing is starting to have more experiences of what if it's actually safest to do less? What if it is safe and allowed to rest, to be here? And that takes time. Sometimes like, like I'm sure you've experienced and you know, all of the guests you've spoken to, there's, we, we want to feel better now, right now. We want to fix it now. Forgetting that so much of this just happens when we let time do the work. And in that softening, I don't even want to say relaxed, but it's like when we release the clenching to healing, the then surrender, surrender. Yes, yes. And I used to think that sounded cliche until it's like almost for me, it was exhaust. I was so exhausted that I was almost, you know, pulled into the surrender. And then once I was there, I'm like, this is way better. And sometimes I, so true. Yeah, and, and I've actually learned to like that feeling now and not in the sense that I'm trying to create it, but there are certain things where you just reach a point of exhaustion. It's like, okay, hands up. Okay. I mean, this is resonating for me deeply with like current things I go through in my life, but like even in my business, it's like, it's like you, I'm trying, you try this direction, you try that direction. It can be the same as with, with our health. You try this protocol, you try that doctor, you try that doctor. And you're like, well, nothing really seems to be sticking. And so that's the point where you usually can freak out. Cause you're just like, what am I doing wrong? And it's like, and then that voice comes in where it's like, I actually think you should stop trying so hard. Maybe you should, you're not doing anything wrong. Maybe you're, you needed to explore all these different avenues. You're learning so much about yourself. Like one, you know, there's so many, I think shadow sides with functional health and all the rabbit holes I went down and protocols I did, but there was, it's like, I actually don't regret any of it because every time I had to take a turn and, and try a new direction, it's like, I learned something about myself at each twist and turn. And ultimately I learned how resilient I was and how determined my body was to heal, even though I was, you know, throwing it down all these different random roads to try and get it to, to figure it out. Um, how resilient our bodies are. It's like, it's pretty incredible. And I think it's like what you were saying. It's like our bodies, if we can remember 
are actually wanting the best for us, even though it feels like the opposite feels like it hates us. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) so it's like trying to remember that can actually be helpful in calming down the nervous system. I really undervalued the, the role of the nervous system. And I know that's a lot of the, the work that you do, like talk a little bit about that. Like what, what is the nervous system's role in our state of being and, and how disease can enter and how, how long it can stay and get comfortable and, and when it can choose to leave. It feels like it's the foundation and not to say it's the root of everything, but kind of because the brain, the brain is the largest endocrine gland in the body in the sense that everything responds to what the brain tells, tells us is going on. And And some people might be thinking, yeah, okay, if I could heal myself just by thinking myself well, I would have. Again, it's not that simple, but also letting it be that simple in terms of honoring that if we can start with our own thoughts about things, then then the body has a chance. Because if we're doing these protocols and like you said, eating these safe foods while criticizing and hating ourselves and stuck in that tumultuous place, it's almost like. It's like pouring gasoline on a garden that's trying, it's trying to blossom. It's trying to flourish and we're just attacking it. And maybe it has beautiful and ample sunlight and it has the most nutrient dense micro bridge formula, but we're just, you know, pouring down the gasoline of criticism. So it was, I guess, yeah, my, my, my own experience and then starting to witness it around me all of these people trying to heal and not finding their answers and seeing on the other side, people that kind of surrendered to trying to fix themselves and started to work more on their own nervous system regulation, seeing them thrive. And it opened up this world where I realized, I mean, people have been talking about the nervous system for a while. And I think only in the last maybe like 10 ish years, I think it was when body, when the body keeps the score came out, people I all of a sudden realized book. it's a great book. I mean, that was like a I big aha moment. <laughs> yes. I actually, someone gifted that to me in college. Great gift, by the way, but it was an aha where I realized, whoa, there is a lot more here. There's so much to be discovered. And I, I keep following this path because I, I see what it does for people. And again, those are the complicated cases that they start to tend to themselves. They start to find balance. They start to get triggered and then recalibrate more quickly and they feel better. And they notice they're not as reactive to foods. They're not as bloated. They're not as symptomatic. Their sleep improves. And that overall feeling of joy, that kind of like spontaneous joy, which I feel like is a more natural state, not to say we, again, we don't have to stick there, but that becomes more of this dominant, this dominant experience. And it, yeah, to me, it just feels like, it feels like the most interesting work. You know, I never, I don't, I feel like I don't get bored of it because there's always an interesting layer, even just hearing someone's relationship with their thoughts or their parts or their symptoms. There's so much to weed out and, and really kind of, I was going to say organize, but that's not it. It's kind of pull apart this, this, what feels like a gumpy gooey mess only to see, okay, 
there is a way forward. It's not necessarily a protocol and a diet, but it's, it's like a practice, a daily moment to moment practice that isn't rigid. It's not pinned down or fixed. It's adaptable. It's flexible. So I feel like it's, it's kind of like learning how to live in a way that you've always wanted to. And it starts to, it starts to permeate into how we do anything. And is that the way that you developed tapping with tea? Because I, I want to, I, first of all, I love the name because a fellow tea over here. So the name oh, yeah. resonates, but the tapping, it feels like, and I, and I am not a specialist in this, but it feels like it's that it's kind of that awakening of connecting what's happening, what we're storing in our body that's stuck, that can't get out. And so it's like helping break it up and release it. But I, what I've noticed, cause I've watched several of your videos, cause you have, first of all, just this, like such a calming presence. And I feel like it doesn't matter what topic it is. You have a whole library of different topics that your videos cover for your tapping technique. But it, I feel like I I'm being nurtured the way that you talk in the video feels like that's the voice that I'm trying to really deepen within myself anyways. And so that voice feels very nurturing, but it feels like that's like the nervous system recalibration perhaps where it's like, if we can break up that stagnant stored energy in the body, nurture it, recalibrate, recalibrate it, then the nervous system can actually start to not feel so tightly wound all the time. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly it. It's kind of the, the library of videos that I wish I had in the thick of my journey. So I'm speaking directly to those people that feel like, feel like they're too sick, too broken. They have too many diagnoses. And especially in the Lyme world, it's never just Lyme. That's like, an, that's one of the diagnoses they get, but they know they've, they experience layers of dysfunction. So like, like you've noticed, Tiffany, it's engaging that voice. And the amazing thing about tapping I was skeptical about it at first, but the research is only continuing to grow and it does allow the brain to choose a different response to a previously stressful or traumatic memory, thought wow. pattern, event. Yes. So you're, you literally are letting the brain choose a new reaction, which is, I mean, it's, it's, it's known as the cousin of EMDR. So I'm sure some of our listeners are familiar with that, but you're trying to teach the brain, Hey, this traumatic experience or phase of life or memory, we don't need to mount the same response anymore. And tapping is doing just that. And then, I mean, it's, it's pulling on the, the beauty of neuroplasticity and that we can change our mind about things. If we don't have to interpret a symptom or a memory or a feeling or a person as dangerous and threatening, and we can interpret it with curiosity, intrigue, openness, the nervous system says, wow, this is a lot easier than being hypervigilant and in that panicked fight, flight, freeze, collapse state, wherever someone falls on the spectrum. So yeah, I, I, I keep a lot of the videos I make are, are actually revisiting emotions and stories that I experienced firsthand and talking to more and more people realizing that they're so, a lot of people have the same exact story running in their head. 
and we don't we don't need it. It's you know, it's kind of run its course. It's not a helpful story. But I think that's just so inspiring about your work is because I felt that way. Like when I listened to your, your videos, the way you're talking, it's almost like, you know, my exact story. And it's like it's like we all have versions of the same story and we're all suffering. And you were able to really see how it helped you. And then now you can bring it to the masses, which I'm just, I literally am so grateful for your gift in this because I think that that everyone needs to feel like there's a voice that can be seen and then that can help them to release it. Mm-hmm. As far as the ritual or the practice of tapping. I'm curious, like what's the, what, what's the practice? Like, I'm, I'm sure it's unique for everyone, but if you were to recommend in broad strokes, how, if someone wants to start with this practice and practice tapping, what's it like, say they had a problem, um, some kind of thing that they were struggling with, how often should they tap? How long does it take to start noticing a difference? (laughs) Like, I want to know the details. What can people expect for the transformation? And I I love that... I've, I've gotten those exact questions. And for some people, again, if it's coming from a place of how much should I do this? Tell me (laughs) like that frantic, I need to fix right now. I'm like, just do it when it feels right. Like do it when it feels great. That's a perfect answer. You know, and that's it. I think if you, and if you've identified a key problem, you know, whether it's, I mean, it could be my health. My health is the problem in my life and it's impacting my relationships. It's impacting my food choices. I, it's making me feel isolated and depressed. Once you've located the problem, sometimes you only need to tap on it once. And that's why I'm trying to make, yes, that's, it's kind of mind blowing, but really it's, we, we've been conditioned to think that, okay, healing has Has to to look a certain way. It has to be difficult, but if we can acknowledge our feelings and our, our thoughts and behaviors associated with a certain problem, and then kind of ask ourselves how we would like to feel instead. Sometimes it's one tapping sequence and someone feels free. And that's the amazing part of it. Weeks, months later, and and similar to maybe some of these psychedelic medicines that are coming out, people feel free of that story. Not the case with everyone though. Sometimes, and this was my personal experience, I had to tap over and over and over again on the same stories. And it felt like they were so deep in my tissues. And maybe I would get a layer of relief. Something would feel lighter, but then it would come back or it would come back in a kind of different situation. So I would say without making it too cookie cutter or rigid, I think tapping on a problem until it goes away But if you notice the militant voice in your head saying you need to tap or you should tap, then maybe questioning that and and engaging that wiser voice and thinking, okay, well, I'm going to feel better after this. I think there's, there is beauty in knowing things that we repeat and practice. We get better at, but I don't know. Did you ever do DNRS along your journey? I'm like, that sounds familiar. What is dynamic neural retraining system? I had a doctor that recommended it. And I remember feeling overwhelmed. I was like, I don't know. First of all, I don't know what this means. (laughs) And then I, and then I was like, I think it's kind of like a brain rewiring thing. Um, 
what I think that you've brought in that was missing from when she offered this to me is it was a series of recorded videos and exercises that I could do on my own. And I really needed the community. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm really interested in joining Tapping with T and, and you built this community because it's like, for me, I felt so alone in my health journey. And I was like doing all these exercises. Like, I don't even know what this is like and doing more stuff by myself. I was already feeling so isolated in my IRL life with no friend around me was working with doctors like I was and struggling with all these long-term illnesses. And so I already felt like I was just kind of an outsider. And then to do more work, to take on one more thing where it's like more work by myself, I was just like, I can't do it right now. So I put it off, but I've heard that it's like, can be pretty um, life-changing for people. So my experience with is mixed and it's not to shame DNRS because a lot of my framework actually pulls from the wisdom I learned from them. Mm -hmm. But honestly, what you describe matches my experience in terms of it created more of the sense of isolation and separateness. I did an hour a day for six months. And every time I would get triggered, they recommend doing a round of their brain rewiring technique. And what I noticed is that everything triggered me, every thought, every sensation, even certain colors or, you know, a brightness of light or a plane going overhead, I would get triggered. And it, it would enforce the idea that I was this like psycho sick girl who is alone in the world, never going to get better. I would, you know, the few friends that I had hanging on, (laughs) bless their (laughs) hearts. I would cancel plans with them because I needed to do my rounds because I was triggered. So, so part of tapping shadow side. Yep. Yes, exactly. And I think feeling alone and separate is is one of those illusions where we forget that someone else is feeling the same way in the room next door, or, you know, we're on our phones and our partner or our loved one, you know, we're craving connection, but we're kind of pushing people away because we think we're alone. So that was a big part of why I want to tap in with T to be a community so that people know that, that they're not alone, but also to remind each other that it doesn't have to be another hustle. It doesn't have to be another stressful thing to heal. It doesn't have to be another way to isolate in order to heal. We can do it on our own time. We can do it together, which is why I do the group calls. I mean, I try to, I always try to infuse a bit of humor because it is, I mean, it is funny. I would say most of us don't, we didn't expect to have these health conditions, you know, and if we can kind of laugh at how ridiculous life is and how maybe these experiences are here to help us. Like you said, learn about how resilient we are, learn about how we want to treat people, learn about how we want people to feel while they're around us, then it's not so serious. So that's a big, that's a big piece of this work. Mm, I think that's so beautiful that you tap, that you literally tapped into the importance of that, because I think that's actually a huge part of the way that we can find healing is um, together and the unity aspect of it. And the the world is growing more and more separated and and just with technology and the way we've all been living the past couple of years. So you really do have to put an effort to find those ways to find the unity in the community. So I think the fact that you tuned into that is amazing. Um, Would you, as far as the practice goes, I am curious if you recommend doing it 
if your body is in a state of distress, is it something that if I remember to tap when I'm freaking out about X, Y, Z, can that actually help my body like recalibrate in that moment? Or do you recommend tapping just any time of day, like every morning at 9am is when I tap. And so it doesn't matter if I'm upset or feel fine. That's my time that I tap. What's the preferred way? I think actually both would be helpful because what the research is showing is that in a highly dysregulated state, more on the side of kind of that panic fight flight response, when you're really feeling agitated, kind of that creepy crawly feeling where you don't know if you want to run or, you know, punch a hole in the wall or cry or scream, just the tapping points without even saying anything have been shown to downregulate the intensity in the system. And, and I mean, some of these points are directly interacting with the vagus nerve, which we want, we want to be regulated. We want, we don't want it to be underactive. We don't want it to be overactive. We want it to be somewhere in the middle. So I would say in those moments, absolutely. Because you're also like, we spoke about tending to that inner child. You're stepping in and saying they're there. Yeah. This life thing is hard and we do it together. It's like acknowledgement. It's giving your body acknowledgement. And then with the, you know, tapping every day, same time, that can be really helpful because it's similar to the idea of meditation where you don't just wait for life to get crazy, but it's about training the brain so that when life does get crazy, you'll actually be in a more regulated state to respond to that stressor instead of reacting to that stressor with old patterns or with stress hormones. So Mm, that makes... It makes so much sense that you would recommend both. I I could see how both could be incredibly helpful. It's like, it feels like nurturing the tapping. Mm -hmm. It's like the nurturing timeout. Okay. And you know, it might even take some time. Like maybe you're still crying through. It doesn't help right away, but I bet you it does help um, shift something in the body when you're, when you're actually tending to that instead of just like continuing to spiral down and, and not tending. Mm-hmm. You know, some people, even just with the first couple of phrases, they'll burst into tears. And, you know, as we're integrating and kind of talking through what came up, sometimes people will share, wow, I didn't even realize how much sadness I had. I didn't realize how much grief or shame I had around this topic. So it's almost, yeah, it's really freeing things. And I love what you described. It's breaking things up. Yeah. Well, I, I learned that really through when I found yoga, when I, I found yoga, when I was struggling with chronic illness and when I would just stretch on the mat, it's not like I was even doing wild poses yet. I was literally just stretching my body, but tuning into it, the breath, the body connection, I would start sobbing on the mat. And I'm like, what's going on? Like where, what's all this coming from? And that's when I like really clicked that there's that mind body connection. We're holding all these things. The body needs to release this. And otherwise we're just carrying it around. And then our body is like always dysregulated. Yeah. There was a body worker. I'm forgetting their name, but they were the first to kind of coin the issues are in the tissues. And I think more and more (laughs) people are realizing, I mean, you you get maybe a intense massage and you're just crying the entire time. You didn't realize what was stored up, but even, even just noticing how our thought patterns cause us to clench something down. Like I was even thinking about this today, just, you know, rushing to do something. And I caught myself, I had clenched down my belly 
And I think more and more often people might be holding or clenching or tightening their body in a certain way, just due to the demands of life. Due yes. to, I mean, a, a car could go by outside and, you know, have one of those old <laughs> engines that are just a little too loud for my liking at least. And we might clench down, you know, our gut and our shoulders kind of in that protective mode and not even realize that we don't unclench. Yeah. We're just running around, running, meeting a meeting or picking up our kid. Like no one's taking the time to deep breath. But I think the point of this work is that we often think it has to be filled and you have to dedicate two hours to this elongated morning routine or night routine where you can regulate your system. It's like, if you are at a stoplight and you're waiting for the green light, those are moments where you can tap really quick. You could take a couple of deep breaths. You could tune in. I often cry when I'm in traffic. It's like, cause that's the moment when I'm, I'm sitting with myself. I'm like, why don't I use this time instead of turning on a music or a podcast and, and being mad that I'm sitting here. It's like, I can use that time to tune in. And then all of a sudden I, the tears are flowing and I'm like, Oh, something needed to move through here. And it's, if we can remember that there's always like little moments in our day where we can bring these things in, it adds up. Mm-hmm. Oh, Pema Chodron is an amazing, she's oh, kind of I funny. love her. Yes. I love her work. She, she was the first person where I remember learning about just the power of pausing throughout the day and finding the gaps between things. And I think that's huge too. And like you mentioned, it doesn't have to be this complicated practice. It doesn't even have to be rolling out a yoga mat for, you know, even six minutes. It can be as simple as, yeah, I acknowledge that I'm overwhelmed right now and I still love and accept myself. And I know I'm doing the best I can. It could be as simple as that. You could, you know, tap on the first point on the side of the hand. Sometimes that's enough. You know, someone could be in traffic and say, yeah, I am really overwhelmed and I'm stressed out and there's more to do on my plate than I have time for. And I'm giving myself a break. I'm, I'm doing the best I can. And sometimes that's it. And I love you. You summed it up beautifully, but there's the biggest piece aside from the shift, I guess, is the validating, the honoring. It's the acknowledging there's no more covering up or pushing away. It's yeah, of course you feel this way. Life is very bizarre. Of course you're overwhelmed. Of course you're scared. Okay. We're here. I'm listening. Mm. I feel calm just listening to you and watching you, <laughs> watching you do the tapping. I, it's just, it's like, there's something about it that's soothing, even just like watching it visually, even if you're not doing it on yourself, like it's, it is really such a unique practice. And Teresa, I'm just so honored by you and to have you come on the podcast today and share your gifts and your story and the work that you do. I think that it's just so powerful and so needed, especially in the season of life that we're all walking through right now, where it just feels busier than ever, um, heavier than ever. I think that it really is reminding me the cultivating a practice like this, whether it's a tiny little practice sprinkled throughout the day, or it becomes a bigger part of the day is just like really going to help people and is mm -hmm. really going to help yourself, like just shift out of all of this overwhelm and just into being and, and receiving the surrender opens up the possibility to receive. And, and so I just, I'm so inspired by you. Thank you so much for, again, for coming on. Where can people um, learn more about you if they want to watch a tapping video or check out the app? Like, tell us all the goods. Oh, thanks, Tiffany. As you were saying that, I'm like, wow, this is so nice. But I really appreciate it. And yeah, I, I post I post free videos on YouTube and Instagram, but 
I've just switched to a new platform, which is kind of exciting for the app. So I'm, I'm able to offer seven day free trials right now. If people are like, I don't know about this topping thing. Uh, I'm skeptical. Keep your skepticism. Of course, I'd say the best way to know if it can be helpful is to do a video and see how you feel. I love because that. That's, that's what convinced me, but that's just at tappingwithtea.com. You can sign up there and then just download the app either in you know the app store or if you have Google Play. Is that what Androids use? I'm not an Android user, so I don't I know. know. Me. <laughs> <laughs> but the, I'd say that those are the... Yeah, those are the best options if you want to get involved in tapping and living roots wellness is where I share more of just, yeah, what I'm researching, what I'm interested in. And I do work one-to-one. So if people are interested in that, if they feel like they really want more specific work and more of a, I guess, a personalized container, that's also available. So yeah, that's, those are the options. (laughs) Love those options. I'll link all of your information in the show notes and Thank you again for coming on. 